Okay, we are back. Welcome to another episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur. My name is Sina and from starting my own business and getting funding from O2 while studying university, I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. Today, I had an amazing conversation with Lauren Bell, founder of Cozy Care, a business that has created patented technology to help children suffering with eczema. We talk about how she took an idea for physical products straight out of uni to prototyping, taking part in loads of startup competitions, pitching in front of some huge names, patenting it, and manufacturing in China, as well as creating an amazing brand in anticipation for the long-awaited launch. As always, if you do enjoy, please be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help me out. Share it with your friends, and don't forget to follow us on our new Instagram page. That's where all the new episodes get announced. The link's in the description. All right, let's go on the episode. Hey, Lauren, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. Uh, just just keeping inside because of the whole corona thing, making my podcast. It's been all right. It's good. It's good that you found this to do. It's kind of come at a perfect time, really, that you can lock yourself away and actually focus on this. Uh, sounds like you're getting a lot of people involved. Yeah. How's uh, how's Cozy Care doing? Yeah, Cozy Care is good. Um, you know, still kind of working on it full time. Um, so yeah, the company's gone for about 18 months now. Um, started it straight after uni. So I've kind of ever since then just been working on it nonstop. And yeah, even with uh, even with the virus hitting, I'm still kind of plugging away, which is good. There's always stuff to do with a new business. So yeah, still keeping busy. For people that don't know, what is what is Cozy Care and what are you trying to achieve? Um, so Cozy Care is a business that kind of stemmed from a personal experience with eczema. So um, my little brother Reese has really severe eczema. And uh, growing up, he really struggled to like stop scratching. So my business is completely dedicated to like helping children avoid damaging scratching and creating fun alternative products for them. Um, and it kind of started in university. So my background's in design. Um, and for our major project, we had to solve a problem through good design. So I kind of dedicated my major project to solving a problem for my family and my brother. And that's kind of where Cozy Care was born, really. Yeah, it's a really cool story because it's a very personal story as well. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on because um, I didn't suffer with, with eczema, but I know a lot of my friends did. And uh, a lot of them still have like s- small scars of, from, the, from the whole scratching. And it does, it, it affects so many people in the UK and abroad obviously yeah no it really does it has like a huge impact on everything from like uh you know families daily routine to how the child feels about themselves you know their self-confidence and their ability to just lead a normal life essentially and there are so many people affected it's like one in five children have eczema so there's there's literally millions in the uk um and it can range from being like really severe or quite mild but the likelihood is if if you mention eczema to someone someone knows someone with eczema it's either oh my sister has eczema or you know my auntie has eczema or someone in their family can at least relate to it um which kind of shows how how big an issue it is really um so yeah so that's that's the the mission of the business is just to help those people that suffer and it's not kind of exclusive to eczema as well it's kind of anything that causes itchiness so that could be psoriasis or chicken pox you know there's there's so many other conditions out there that are causing people 
frustration and pain so we kind of want to help that really so how how are you helping that at the, at the moment so at the moment we have so we designed our first product um which is kind of an electronic cooling device so what that does to help people suffering is it essentially just cools the skin so when you have an itch that you need to scratch you're obviously going to scratch it you you know you scar your skin and you get trapped in this really vicious cycle but what we try and do is offer children kind of instant relief through cooling and it has kind of textured plate as well that they can use to mimic scratching so it's this really kind of nice experience um to have with a product that actually gives you instant relief because at the minute all that's available is like moisturizer after moisturizer so it's a little bit of a different approach um and it's kind of more focused around offering like that instant uh relief from itching which is what we're trying to achieve with our first product and um yeah we're constantly communicating with people in the the eczema community as well we're trying to build our instagram and you know really let people know what we're doing and get people on board so yeah that's that's the product anyway the concept of it um and we're just trying to let as many people know as possible really it's a really it's a really wonderful product because with eczema i know sort of the relief with scratching is yeah moisturizers but if it does get worse it's just a lot of creams and ointments that could make it worse actually a lot of my friends took that sort of stuff and it made their situation worse so this is a very like Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a natural thing where you don't have to put chemicals on your skin. Definitely. I mean, a lot of people will have the experience of maybe getting a skin condition, going to your GP and you're, you're prescribed maybe steroid creams or in, in serious cases where you have an infection, you may have to have antibiotics. So that's that's when it, when scratching gets you know really bad. And the solution that's currently out there can actually have quite harmful long-term effects on your skin as well. Like steroid creams, for example, will thin the skin over a course of, you know, over a period of time. So what we're really? trying to do is, we're trying, yeah, it's crazy. A lot, like it's crazy. Like my brother was prescribed steroid creams for years and he only realized the, long-term implications when he he realized that his hands were becoming a lot more like prone to scarring and cuts and things like that is because the you know his skin was thinning out and steroid creams had had a really negative impact on his skin so that was another kind of motivation for me as well to be like crazy I know it, it really is and it's it's not a lot of people are fully educated on that as well and that's what we're trying to do as a brand we're trying to not only let people know you know steroid creams aren't your only option you can use alternatives you know you can use products like mine that offer cooling before it gets out of hand and you need steroid creams and antibiotics so yeah it's, it, it can be a really scary route to go down so that's kind of what we're trying to avoid with our with our brand yeah i i didn't know i didn't know that at all that's that's a really scary concept because if you do have eczema that seems like your only option at the moment before you guys yeah. came along yeah. so there's obviously a huge problem there and you saw the problem but so how did you kind of go from the idea uh, you know that there's a problem there to a product because the first iteration of your product was um it was a turtle wasn't it yeah um yeah so i started 
the project in university and the original product um, or concept was this massive wooden turtle completely like unrealistic to mass manufacture it had like a thousand components to it um it was all handmade as well so everyone told me when you do your major project make something small and make something simple and I did the complete opposite I made the you know a handmade (laughs) wooden 20 kilogram turtle it had like a thousand rotational metal balls on then the idea was that you could kind of roll around on this turtle and the the metal would cool your skin as you play so um that's what it was at union i called him cozy because cozy or cosy is actually welsh for itching so that's why his name that's cool yeah (laughs) so as you can probably tell i'm welsh so that's kind of a little nod to like Swansea and like where I come from, my family, uh, my family roots. So, yeah, so it started off as Cozy. And then uh, I did, uh, I decided to join the Central Research Lab. So this was like um, an accelerator program for, you know, new ideas that have potential in, you know, being turned into a commercial business. So this massive turtle then turned into more of a handheld starfish design product that you know had less parts and it was easier to to make and manufacture and it was more kind of compact so that that's how I made that transition into being this nice one-off product into something that could actually be commercialized and turned into something that we could make at scale you know I've actually seen the turtle on your Instagram it's a beautiful turtle and um yeah is it still around do you still have it in your house somewhere I definitely do I mean the blood sweat and tears I put into that turtle I was not chance I was throwing it away um it's currently in my um my spare bedroom so yeah um I still have it I'm probably not going to get rid of it anytime soon um but yeah it's kind of taken up a massive kind of space in my spare bedroom at the moment must be quite a good uh conversation starter if people visiting your house see that yeah my nephews love it like I feel like that's the only reason they come visit me is just to play on the turtle um yeah no it's definitely a big turtle Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I definitely still have it. People still love talking about it. I still get emails about it. You know, like, are you selling the turtle? I'm like, no, definitely not. It's uh, it's something I'm going to hand down to my grandkids, I think. <laughs> so you made, you made the turtle yourself. It was handmade, wasn't it? Yeah, so the turtle was completely handmade um, and it was made from wood, metal, and then it had, like, these fabric legs that you could sit on as well. Um so yeah, it was all handmade. It was all made in workshop. Um, and obviously it was made as a one-off piece. Um, when I was making yeah. it at university, it was kind of, it was just to be made as a prototype to present for my major project. And then because of the interest we had about, you know, what we were trying to do with this product and the new kind of idea that we had around eczema treatments, um, when we exhibited it at our graduate show made in Brunel, um, people were asking me, like, have you ever thought about starting a business with this concept? And I was like, yeah, definitely. I've always wanted to start a business. Um, and then I applied for the accelerator course and then it kind of went from there and turned into more of a commercial, small electronic product. Um, and over the course of six months, this large turtle turned into more of a, uh, you know, a gadget, a handheld product and then I was thinking about ways you know how could I maybe mass manufacture this how could how could I make this suitable 
you know, to commercialize essentially. So a bit more about the prototyping phase, because I know that's a phase that a lot of people kind of struggle with. They, they know there's a problem there and they have a, a few ideas as to how to tackle this problem. Um, yeah. And you obviously um, then went from the turtle to a more handheld device. How did you do the whole prototyping phase with the handheld device and like, yeah, what advice would you give to people that want to prototype? Yeah, I, I definitely can relate to people, especially creatives, either designers um, or entrepreneurs that have an idea, maybe a physical product, and they don't know how to make that product suitable for either manufacture or to make at a larger scale. And I, I find that with a lot of students, that leap from one-off prototype to making it suitable for manufacture is one of the biggest challenges. Um, that's definitely something that I found quite, you know, scary and daunting. You know, how do I make this suitable for manufacture? Yeah. So what what I did um, simply is I looked at the turtle and I knew that, one, it was made from wood, which is expensive, Two, it was made from a lot of different components. So there was, you know, there was going to be a lot of money that would need to be put into, you know, parts and assembly and quality control. So what I did is I looked at that product and I thought, what could I do to this? What is the core concept of this product? And the core concept was cooling. So I thought, okay, so how could I apply the concept of cooling the skin to something smaller, easier to use, easier to make? So then I started like ideating with the central research um, lab who was um, helping me with the product development. And I sat down and I did some sketching, I did some testing. And it turned out the star, it's, it's a starfish, by the way, because it's really easy to hold. So if you ever hold one of my products, they fit perfectly in your hand and your hand is also in the same position as if you were to be scratching. So I thought the star was a really good shape to start with. Um, and then I started experimenting with materials. So things like different metals, different ceramics um, that got cold, essentially, that we could use for the cooling plate. Uh, so it started off like that. I did a bit of 3D printing. I started to test ideas with children. So we did a few like small focus groups uh, with our, you know, with our few uh, very simple prototype mockups that we got 3D printed. And then from that yeah. then, um, I actually, I actually visited China. So as part of the um, accelerator program I did, part of that uh, program was we would visit Shenzhen and we would talk to factories and manufacturers and engineers. Um, so that's what I did. I, I went to China and I showed them the concept that I had. And then I started talking to uh, a sourcing agent. Now, a sourcing agent is someone in China that connects maybe four or five different factories that do processes for a few different materials. So the sourcing agent that I met really opened my eyes to the actual logistics of bringing together these factories and being able to be finished with a product in a box. So that's that was kind of a big turning point for me when I went to China is that I actually met a sourcing agent that opened my eyes to how the you know how it how the best way of doing something is and it's it's about reaching out to a good sourcing agent that can connect all these factories and communicate with all these factories understand your product from a material and process point of view and then make recommendations based on that so um, that's kind of how I went about starting the kind of mass production route anyway who what, who are these people what is a 
sorting agent i've never heard of these guys before um so a sourcing agent is basically like (laughs) they do what they it says in the tin basically they source factories so they're they are one point of contact and they have a network of for example i'll take my product as an example they have access to a metal workshop a silicon manufacturer um an electronic a workshop and a packaging company so those are the four main things I needed to make my product and the sourcing agent I communicate with the sourcing agent and the sourcing agent communicates with all the factories and brings the product together now you can meet sourcing agents uh, even on websites like Alibaba um, I met a good sourcing agent through my accelerator program and it's always good to hear um, or, or get a recommendation because there are thousands in China and it's really yeah. hard to pick a good one. Um, the way to go about it is maybe reaching out to any kind of hardware accelerators in London or where you're based and just to see if they have any good connections with any um, any sourcing agents in China because that would be your first point of call with getting um, getting a you know a product put together uh, kind of seamlessly as possible. Okay, but say if so if you just have the idea at the moment and you have you know what sort of product you want to build uh, around that yeah. problem would you say the best sort of route would be to go to the sort of route that you went down is to join like a, like a hardware accelerator totally it's such a good route to go down because especially if you are a sole founder or if there's maybe one or two of you that have an idea and you just need that help in hand in maybe product development if you need a workshop space if you need access to like 3d printers or other designers or engineers so it's a really good like step in the right direction when you're creating a hardware business or product so i would 100% recommend um looking into accelerator programs because for me it was actually a big turning point in turning my idea into a business so i would recommend it and these are these are accelerator programs that specialize in hardware products because yeah i guess a lot of there are a lot of most companies that are cropping up now are you know their software yeah there are a lot of different accelerators out there it's about knowing what you need from it so if you are a physical product your needs are going to be very different to someone who's maybe developing an app or service yeah so it's important to 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 know what that accelerator um offers you really and and what they specialize in just just do your research there are so many out there there are like for example there's an nhs specific accelerator if you're a medical product there's um you know hardware specific accelerators um you know there are a few out there and if you do your research especially in london um you could definitely find one that works for you um and hopefully if you're awarded a position on the program you'll get a real kind of push in the right direction and you'll get a lot of support as well um so yeah that that was my journey with product to business and uh the accelerator course played a a massive role in that what what were the kind of most important things that they that they gave to you um oh that's a good question yeah the, the main things they offered was 
the um, the education around uh, manufacturing a product and the actual real life experience as well of actually going to China, visiting manufacturers and engineers and seeing how they work was really, really useful. Um, and also the kind of team aspect as well. So we had quite a comprehensive team on board from like branding background or marketing backgrounds and product yeah. development experience. So they kind of got, you know, all these people around you that were really knowledgeable about everything it takes to start a business. And you, you kind of just, I think for six months, I was just a sponge. I listened to everything they said. I, I researched everything. I just got so heavily involved in it because it was so interesting. Um, and they really, really educated me on even things like structuring a business, like writing a business plan. I didn't have a clue how to write a business yeah. plan. And then I, I did this and you thought, okay, right, okay, I can do this now. I understand, you know, what investors are looking for. I understand what my customers are looking for um so yeah it's a really great experience and i would highly recommend looking into doing that uh, or taking that route because it was definitely good uh, for, for my business anyway yeah that's really good advice because i guess a lot of people especially with physical product ideas can be very lost especially because i mean there's a lot of support that i've come across that are very software orientated and it seems like software's like it's easier to build from scratch I would I would say um, just from my experience, I would completely agree with that. And the 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 one one of the barriers to starting a hardware uh, business is that it does take a lot of money, and it's a physical product. You need physical materials and and you know machinery and packaging. And you know when you're when you're trying to sell and build, um, you know, a hardware business, you need that initial push in the right direction you need that initial um cost outlay and money into the business to be able to do it so there are definitely different kinds of challenges that come with hardware businesses but don't let that deter you there there are so many um options available um and you will get people investing in hardware businesses because um yeah they have so much to offer um you know it's not just software that's important yeah, part of those businesses are great and you're you're a real champion when it comes to these sort of like grant funding uh schemes and all these competitions uh yeah I've oh, all, okay. like you apply to many of them and you win a lot of them as well I had a very lucky year last year so um I think my my strategy was get you know with getting my name out there and my brand out there and you know raising awareness was just to apply for everything I could so especially when you graduate university there are lists of opportunities available to you when it comes to competitions and grant funding there are so many initiatives with um you know through the mayor of london santander tata NICU. there are so many different opportunities and why wouldn't you just apply if you've done the work and you've got the you know the concept and you feel comfortable talking about it why not just pitch your idea you know see what the response is like get your brand out there show that you're kind of like taking the initiative to to start your business journey and actually you know work hard for money as well because like these competitions that they're, they're not small pots of money I mean I've won like no, twenty yeah, thousand pounds and they helped me with not only living um and being able to work on my business full-time over the last 18 months but 
doing you know really big things with the product development and doing exhibitions and spending money on my packaging you know that it it, is tangible help so I would definitely say apply for student you know student focused um entrepreneurial competitions because there's quite a lot of money to be won um and they really do help you on you know especially if you're starting off with an idea they give you that bit of money and that bit of support around you that that makes you feel like you can achieve what you're trying to achieve as well and you meet you meet really cool people in the process that's what i've found definitely like some of the judging uh panels were like really inspiring entrepreneurs like i met richard reed from innocent at the maryland and he was on the judging panel um and it was just like incredible to have someone like that um not only hear you pitch but actually listen to your business um and actually get their their advice uh, as well. It's, it's just so valuable. And I never would have probably met him if I hadn't done these compositions. Um, and they have some like incredibly, you know, influential people at their marketing events um, afterwards. Sorry, not marketing events, networking events even afterwards. So you get that, you know, you're in arm's reach with these people who could be potential investors or they could be potential friends or collaborators or brand champions you never know you know so you're you're instantly exposed to these incredible people that could help you you know elevate your business and and yourself really so it's a really really yeah, good definitely and i would i would definitely say if you're thinking of applying for a competition just do it even if you feel like you you may not be the best or you you, you may want another month to work in your pitch just go for it um you're not going to lose anything um you can always apply next year you may as well just go for it yeah exactly and like a big a big part of these competitions is the pitching obviously have you always been good at pitching or is it something that you've kind of learned along the way just from doing it so many times um I definitely think with pitching it's practice does make perfect and every time I pitch I get um you know a different bit of advice from someone on how to either speak or stand um where to pause how to talk so you you do definitely learn as you go and there's no better practice than standing up in front of like a hundred people and just doing it because I think the more you do it, the more confident you become and the more refined your pitch becomes as well. Um, like for me, I've, I've always enjoyed public speaking, but I was never, you know, very good at it at school or, you know, I would kind of just waffle or I would look at the floor, I would fidget. But you, you know, yeah. you learn while doing competitions as well, like how to present yourself, how to talk, how to hold yourself. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to do these because you learn as you go as well and you get better every time which is which is really good yeah a lot of the competitions that i've been to uh i actually won one competition for pitching it was it was like a one minute pitch in front of loads of people and they would vote for you and i was by by nowhere like i was not the best business there there were some businesses there that were solving some amazing problems and they were yeah they were just really cool businesses that were probably better than my one i would say but their pitching wasn't as good yeah so their pitching wasn't as good i think and that's what that's what the feedback for the rest of them was so it's it's a skill that's very valuable and it can very much elevate you to get the attention of other people for them to you know spark that conversation to elevate your business oh my god 100 percent. literally like what you just said 
is what I felt in every single competition. Like you go there and you hear about these businesses and you're standing there thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to win this. How am I going to compete with these, you know, incredible problem solvers or these really crazy tech companies that have been working on it for a few years? They have 10 people. But what it comes down to is how well have you communicated what you're doing? Do people understand what you're doing? Because I've been to so many events and I'm I'm not naming names and it's it's nothing personal, but when I see someone pitch and at the end you go, wait, what do they do? You've instantly (laughs) lost your Yeah, You know what I mean? You You can throw fancy facts at people for two hours and it doesn't make them care any more any less about what you're doing but if you if you pitch from a perspective of telling your story and you try and be authentic and you try and be clear in what you're saying then people are going to relate to you and want you to do well and champion you because you've you've done a good pitch do you know what I mean so um so yeah it's not all about your actual business sometimes it's just about how you communicate your business that's the main thing in these competitions and a lot, of the, a lot of the times, these guys are like very clever people. Like the one that I'm talking about, there were the PhD students, there were like university like, like professors. So these are very, very clever people. And obviously their products are amazing. Mm-hmm. Their tech is amazing. But their ability to yeah. communicate it, that's the thing that they need to work on. But they don't really think about that as a, you know, as an asset that they need to work on. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Because for me... I think that is one of the most important things about a business is communicating what you're trying to do. And, you know, people, people will listen if it's something they understand. I don't know if you've ever been to a a pitching event, you're sitting there and you're thinking in the first five seconds, you don't understand maybe what they're trying to explain and you just switch. Yeah, you're like, you're like, what is this? I don't know. like disinterested and that sounds really harsh but it's so true if you don't if you don't explain to your audience what you're doing then why should you or explain it to them well then why should they listen you know like it's your job to be the best communicator of your business and be able to explain it just really clearly and be really concise otherwise people just do they just switch off and that's not just an audience at a competition that is also investors that are that that's people that are potentially going to work with you for you if you can't communicate to an audience then how are you going to communicate to someone who's going to invest in your company you know so treat it as an exercise for that as well getting yourself prepared for you know raising money and communicating to the people that are going to be part of your business in the future yeah definitely and your your communication skills i'd say is a very big asset of your business branding because you do communicate your mission and what you want to achieve very well overall in your in your brand and that's something i really liked about you how do you kind of yeah how Um, do you achieve that it's it's definitely a process um and it's definitely something that I've been working on now being you know being stuck in lockdown and having time to really think about my brand and my vision and it's just about being really clear about your your mission your story and people care about why you do something more than what you do sometimes so for me my brand is built around helping my my family and my brother and I don't hide that that's everywhere from the name of the brand Cozy Care it's Welsh to you know my Instagram page I'm always talking about my brother and his struggles and just sharing that 
Um, and yeah, I wanted that to come across in the brand that it was really kind of like authentic and genuine. And that's what I've stuck to. And I've, I've tried not to really be this kind of faceless corporate brand um, and just brought my, you know, my personality and my story into it. Um, and there's things like our values and our core mission. That's not really changed over the course of the two years that stayed the same um and I just want to try and be consistent with that so people you know in the end really trust us as a brand and actually get to know us as well um so that's kind of what I'm trying to achieve with um with what I'm doing at the minute anyway yeah that's definitely how I see it and you're I think you're building a really good brand for like children and, and babies and the, the, the oh, trust is definitely there I can sense do you have sort of any new like any ideas for new products that you would want to move into because your product right now is is patented and it's ready for launch but you know it's your hero products and there's probably like other ideas and other sort of areas and other problems that you've that you've looked looked into 100 like our, the product that we're aiming to launch is almost our hero product so like you said we've got it protected um and that's the product that we've kind of been refining um specifically over the last 18 months um, I've definitely been working on other ideas and I'm really excited to like expand the product range and, and make it, you know, into different characters, different colors, different shapes. I've also been thinking about, um, you know, how do we make this appropriate for other markets? So eczema is the is where it started, but itching is a problem in probably you know 20 to 30 other conditions and I want to expand into that so even things like pregnancy can cause itchiness even things like diabetes can cause itchiness HIV liver failure all these things have these this the same symptoms um so that's kind of what I want to focus on is is really expanding the the problems that my product could essentially solve and make moves in in different markets and even making like an adult version for example so I'm always thinking about ways to expand and make it you know really accessible to as many people as possible Um, I'm thinking about how cold you know can can be applied to help other conditions so yeah I've definitely been working on loads of new ideas and loads of potential markets to move into i'm really interested in the whole patent process because like we so we talked about the whole um idea to prototype phase and then obviously went to china and it's kind of at the like almost at the mass production stage right so Mm -hmm. how and like the patent process must have been involved somewhere prior to when you went to china right or was it sort of at the same time um yeah, no, you're right. It happened prior to, oh, sorry, in, in at the same time, essentially. So one thing that I find people struggle with when um, releasing an idea is how and when to get it protected. Because obviously you want to talk to people about your products and show people about your product, but you want to make sure that you're not impacting on your um, patent or your you know, the the potential of protecting it. So I kind of held back a lot in China. I didn't really, um, I didn't really communicate exactly what the product was for. But what I did do is I communicated what it did. So does that make sense? So I kind of protected an element of it. um, Yeah, but without (laughs) their ability to help, if that makes sense. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, no, it does. Yeah, it makes sense. um, So yes, after China, once I really understood 
uh, what my product was going to be exactly and 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 made my kind of final prototype. I then approached a patent attorney in London um, and they helped me with my first uh, patent application. And originally it was just in the UK. So they kind of spoke to me for a few hours. They they got to know the product and then they went away and kind of wrote my patent. And then that was kind of like a collaboration for a few for a few weeks. And then we, we put in the application. Um, so yeah, that's how I, I kind of got my product protected. And then we've also now applied for like an international patent as well. Um, because we have the hope of expanding, you know, our, our market space. This is something that's very important to you. Um, and it should be because it's, it's intellectual property and mm-hmm. it does, it's the, you know, it could be the life and death death of your business. Definitely. But I think it's something that you don't see. You, I mean, some people forget about it. It's not something that's always at the forefront of inventors' minds Yeah. sometimes. And I- How important was is like protecting intellectual property to you? Intellectual property is something that can have, people can have different opinions on it. So, there are 50% of people that I talk to about IP and patents that say it's a complete waste of money because if you can't afford to protect it, what's the point? Uh, and then there's the other side of the room, the other 50% that say it's absolutely crucial to patent your idea because it's not only a, an incredible commercial tool um, for getting the interest of investors and proving that you can almost own an idea and a market space it also proves that it's inventive and that it hasn't been done before. So I meet people that are on very opposing kind of sides of IP. My personal opinion is that I think it's incredibly important. I think it not only gives you a fantastic tool to show potential investors and partners that you are a real true invention, that you are unique and that you have that commercial mindset of actually getting your design protected you know I had to borrow like five grand off my mum and dad to get my first patent and I did it and I thought yeah this is well spent you know this is this is what I knew how important it was from the get-go um and I feel really strongly that it is something so important to have in your business uh because once you start selling and if someone copies you there's not you don't really have a leg to stand on then um but if you become a company with millions and you have this fantastic comprehensive ip strategy you can really own that market space and really own that product um so it's, I personally think it's very important, uh, but there are obviously a lot of different opinions on that. At what at what point do you think it's important to investigate, you know, getting a patent with a with a you know a physical product? I think that's a really good question, um, and that's something that I found really challenging is knowing okay. Do I start the patent process now with this prototype, or do I wait another month and make it better, and it might change? Yeah. The, the the thing that I did is I got it to a stage where the technology that I was designing was at a certain standard. I felt, yeah, this is actually, it's not going to sway too much from this core concept. 
So I spoke to a patent attorney and I actually just asked for their advice on it as well. I said, look, it might, it may change colour. We're obviously going to optimise the technology, but the core principles and the core components that, you know, that make up the, the technology that we're offering will pretty much remain the same. So their advice to me was, you're at a really good position with your prototype. It's probably about 85% there. Start the patent process, and in your second application, if it's improved or optimized or changed shape, then we can update it. You know, but for me, I felt like I was in a comfortable position where I thought this product is really nearly there. The technology we've proven it to work, um, and it's only going to be optimized. It's not going to be drastically changed. Does that make sense? So it kind of felt like I was in a comfortable position to get it protected at the stage I did. But yeah, I guess I guess a lot of people will not really know the stage that they're that they're ready to go but I guess you'll never really know right I mean it's true I mean you could work on a product for seven years and constantly change it and adapt it and make it better but then you spent seven years where you could have been selling products you know you could have been out there and get back and you know marketing and, and and testing it so I always I always think get your product to a position where you're comfortable with the design or the technology or whatever you want to protect, whether it be a patent or design rights, get it to a stage where you're comfortable that it's not going to massively change from that point on and then get it protected. And, you know, if, if and communicate with your patent attorney as well. Explain to them what stage you're at because they, they see this every day. They work with inventors. They work with new ideas. They know what's out there. And you know, they'll have some really sound advice on that. And, and they'll probably put to bed a lot of your worries about, you know, is it the right time kind of thing. So speak to your attorneys, because they, and a lot of people do it for free as well. Like my patent attorney, gave me a free like hour consultation, um, which was super helpful. So they, they're definitely there to help you and guide you. Um, they're not cheap, though. So once that hour meeting's over, make sure you, yeah. you know what they're going to be costing you. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like a very cheap process. It's also not very, it's not a very quick process either. How long did yours take? Um, So the patent application, uh, well, to write the, the first UK uh, patent took about three weeks. Um, and then we put the application okay. in we were kind of happy but it's the preparing for the patent application that takes the time so it's like you know the CAD drawings the technical drawings the um the scope of your claims so for example with mine it was for eczema but I also knew that it would be suitable for like loads of other conditions that caused itchiness so I asked my attorney to put in my patent uh, 19 other skin diseases and diseases that cause itchiness because I knew in my mind that in maybe four or five years time I would be in you know all these markets not just the eczema markets was also about kind of predicting where your product's going to go and make sure that your patent also covers that okay that makes sense so kind of move kind of almost running out of time so I'd love to get your take on where where do you see the future of, of cozy care where do you like how big do you see this getting as a brand oh that's a lovely question um obviously i'm very ambitious and i would love to create a completely new category within kind of the skin disease sector and be the one brand that families kind of turn to for instant relief through fun alternative products so with that one brand that parents think oh my child's got eczema I'm going to 
I'm going to Google Cozy Care. I'm going to use one of their products. So that's kind of my goal and my mission, really. I think I think you're you're on the way to that because your branding is definitely yeah, it's definitely on point to to deliver that to that ambition. I Thank think. You. <laughs> I my fingers crossed. I mean, I've got I've got every hope and faith in it. Um, and it's just yeah. Like, you know, keep keep I'm going to keep going and just keep working on it and and make sure that I, you know, I I I really. I, do what I've set out to do really and just execute a good brand and a good product. So what's the immediate next step? So we're looking to launch essentially. We've we've fully designed and protected our, our hero product. And with everything with the coronavirus, our launch date was delayed, unfortunately, but we're still we're still really trying to um, you know, focus on launching product this year. Um, we're also working on kind of building our Instagram following, which is uh, cozy underscore care, uh, getting people, you know, interested in what we're doing and, you know, almost getting some pre-orders and subscribers for our product. Um, I also have been writing a few children's books as well. So I've been giving out those for free at the moment. Um, just kind of works into our brand ethos of, you know, giving back and yeah families so I wrote a book in uni about um the mental impacts of living with skin disease and I kind of decided to give that for free so that's on the Instagram as well and just trying to connect with people at the minute and and making sure that people know we're still here we're still here to help and yeah just keep going really with what we're we're trying to achieve I'll definitely put the links for both of those the Instagram and the book in the uh in the description because yeah it'd be great for people to to discover it I think that's an amazing place to end the the podcast on. So thank you so much, Lauren, for joining me. It was a real pleasure interviewing you. Of course. It was my pleasure. Thank you for asking me to be involved. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed recording my first ever podcast. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't like a bad experience, was it? It was okay. Good. It was good. I wasn't as nervous as I thought I'd be. It was all good. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast. It really was a pleasure recording with Lauren about Cozy Care. And please be sure to check her out on Instagram, her business out on Instagram and LinkedIn, of course, as well as her book. The links are all in the description. If you did enjoy this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out. Share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram. All our new episodes are posted there. One last thing, if you are an entrepreneur with an idea, I've got an an amazing opportunity for you. We're working with MSD UK Innovation Challenge. Uh, They're looking for startups or scale-ups who can pitch solutions from the following categories, advanced digital technologies, healthcare and well-being, sustainable futures, and social innovation. There's big prizes to be won. Previous winners have been offered scholarships to to attend Ivy League's uh, Tuck School of Business in Dartmouth in the US along with corporate mentoring and tailored introductions with global brands. So yeah, definitely get involved. I'm applying personally uh, and the applications close on the 29th of May 2020. So uh, yeah, I'll put the link in the description and yeah, that's the end of the episode. So thanks for listening. My name has been Cena. I'll see you in the next one.